You're listening to the YWAM Nashville Podcast. My name's Cody. My name's Michael, and we'll be your hosts for this season. Welcome to episode six. We are boiling hot because our AC broke and it's it's warmer in our house than it is actually even outside. Yeah, because we live upstairs. Aye. So it's going to be nice and nice and sweaty. Yep. This is the sauna session. <laughs> episode <laughs> six sauna session. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so uh, today we've got Pat here with us. Hello. How you doing, Pat? It is hot in here. <laughs> yeah, Tis. just a bit. Tis. And it's only going to get worse. Well, other than that, I'm fine. Yeah. Great. They got you, You've got me in the most comfortable chair in the house. I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> True that. Good. Pat hey, is... Uh, got to be a good host, you know. True that. <laughs> Pat is um, the personnel director. Mm-hmm. Do you have... I know you wear a lot of hats around here. I like to call myself the manager of various things. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> Pat Just makes the things happen. Sometimes. <laughs> so today, instead of the current event challenge session, we couldn't really... Sometimes it's hard to find a whole lot of current events week, every week. So Yeah, our original intention for the current events anyways was more like we almost on the weekly just hear about like pressing needs or awesome testimonies that are just happening around the world because people here are like plugged in and stuff and they're like did you hear and i'm like (laughs) cool tell me more so i was like we gotta share that stuff you know but did you hear brazil's the new epicenter for covid19 is it really yeah we were just sharing uh last week about how Brazil's been like experiencing all kind of revival for the past few years. So that is awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Hopefully, there's a revival in healings and all that yeah, kind of right, <laughs> like all over the world, brothers. That's great. But well, there's a bit of current events for you. That being said, we were gonna. We also thought it'd be cool to like talk about the YOM values because they're like so important to us as an organization, and this is the YOM. Nashville podcast. So today we thought we would do the first and second values, which are kind of like our core underlying principles, which are knowing God and making him known. And Michael's got a little sheet over there if you want to just fill us in. Yep. So this is what it says on ywam.org. Number one, know God. Ywam is committed to know God his nature, his character, and his ways. We seek to reflect who he is in every aspect of our lives and ministry. The automatic overflow of knowing and enjoying fellowship with God is the desire to share him with others, which leads to number two, make God known. YWAM is called to make God known throughout the whole world and into every arena and society through evangelism, training, and mercy ministries. We believe that salvation of souls should result in Transformation of societies, thus obeying Jesus, Jesus's, Jesus, command to make disciples of all nations. Actually, I wanted to note also, as we start going through these, most of them, if not pretty much all of them, are like basic Christian values. Yeah. Which I was <laughs> thought was should funny. be at least. Yeah. <laughs> it's 
pretty much just what um, our leadership over time has decided is how to be a Christian <laughs> and be in relationship with God and like what should motivate everything that we do as missionaries. But and the I'm thing so you have to remember, and, and this is this is key, is that every one of these foundational values is scripturally based. Mm-hmm. It's oh, not yeah. just something that we pulled out of our ears over time. It's like, okay, the Bible says this. How do we walk this out? And how do we show people that this is important? Come on. It's a very good point. <laughs> I, so I think to sum up the values here, it's just no God being intimacy. We talked about intimacy before, but yeah, in some of the other episodes, but like everything stems from a place of trusting in God. And in order to trust somebody, you have to get to know them. You have to know what they what they're like, who they are. So that way you put your confidence in that. And then the I like how this says the automatic overflow, like the fruit of knowing the Lord is sharing him with others. Mm-hmm. And so they just go hand in hand, like they're not yeah. separable. And so yeah. Sweet. So those are YWAM values number one and two. Numbers yep. <laughs> one and two. <laughs> English. Today's episode brought to you by YWAM values one and two. Knowing God and making him known. Through that. <laughs> All right. Insert, <laughs> insert epic theme song here. Oh, no. That I need to make. Here it comes. <laughs> Dad jokes with <laughs> Cody. All right. <laughs> Are you guys ready? I was born oh, ready. Oh, Lord, no. <laughs> Why can't you run through a campsite? You can only ran because it's past tense. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I'm going to lock you in a closet with Dave for a week. (laughs) That would only make us worse. (laughs) Yes, I know. There's just like a black hole of dad jokeness that like implodes the whole world. Word plays, all of that stuff. Uh, All of it. It's great. Love, love Dave. Right on. There's that. (laughs) There's that. As per every week. (laughs) Right. So, Pat. (laughs) Pat. So you've been to Asia. I don't know where else you've been, but if you could just fill us in a little bit. Primarily Asia. I spent 12 years in a country that is hostile to the gospel. Mm. Wow. Um, And I've been to Asian countries that were a little more friendly just on short visits. Yeah. Sweet. So how did, uh, take us to the beginning. Yeah. How did you get a call to missions and what did that look like? Because we are... I think because we are a missions organization, and I think oftentimes we kind of take for granted that, like, I don't know, that all these missionaries that live overseas, like, have, like, starting points and stories of their own, you know? So, yeah. Hit okay. Us up. Stories. <laughs> I was working at state farm insurance companies. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I was working in their customer response center. Um, I was fairly good at my job. Um, but it, it, the kind of job I was doing for State Farm, the customer response center is not, it's valuable, it's a good experience, but you don't want to be there for more than a year. 
Mm. It is an entry-level position, and you need to get out as soon as there's an opening for you to get out. Um, because the job itself is very emotionally difficult. Oh, yeah. Because you're taking phone calls from people who are at their worst. Like, the yeah. worst possible thing has just happened to them, and you're talking to them. Mm. Yeah, I worked at a theme park and at a concessions office, and the concessions office was right behind customer relations. <laughs> so... I yeah. heard some things. <laughs> well, if you count, I, I spent many, many years in customer service of different kinds, mm. um, including food service. And I can tell you right now, be nice to those people. Oh, yeah. They never, ever see anyone at their best. And I make it a point when I go <laughs> when I go out now, it's like, oh. I'm going to be your best friend for this 30 seconds that you're taking care of me yeah. because yeah. I know how bad your day is. Yeah. Um, but I was working for State Farm and I'd had, I'd had kind of a rough go coming to faith. And once I came to Jesus, it was like, okay, now what do you want me to do? This isn't it. You would never ask me to do anything that would be such a drag on my mental well-being. And at that point, I, I met a singer who was from a YWAM base in Arkansas. And it was kind of like getting hit in the head with a brick. <laughs> How so? Just that, oh, 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 this is what I have to do. Yeah. You're like, this is <laughs> I have a to thing. go do this. This is a thing. I can do this. Really made my family upset with me. Mm. Um, we're okay now. What aspect of it was challenging for your family? Me leaving my job at State Farm. Ah, yeah. Did you make decent money or something? or was it, um, it was a job that paid. <laughs> it was a it job. Was, it was a job that paid. I had benefits. Um, after being a manager at McDonald's, you know, this was considered a step up from fast food. Yeah. Being, being yeah. entry level. I understand. Being entry level at State Farm is considered a step up from being a manager in fast food in my mother's eyes. Hmm. I won't say that out loud because I really enjoyed being a manager for McDonald's. It was one of the most valuable life experiences I've ever had. Wow. Um, and the right people on. I worked for and with were outstanding. Just outstanding. Um but yeah, my mom and dad were really upset that I were that I was giving up security. I get that. Totally get it. Yeah. There are times when I kind of wish I still had regular pay and benefits. Oh, I'm right there with <laughs> you. <laughs> um So I went and I did a DTS, Cypress Training School, then I did a School of Evangelism, which people aren't doing much anymore. I don't know of any bases that are actively doing schools of evangelism. Which ironically was the first school that YWAM did, was a school of evangelism. But yeah. the people that were coming in were in such need of discipleship, they kind of did a prequel school to that, and that's the discipleship training school. Yeah. Um, and then I joined the staff at that base. Um, weird things happened that I'm not going to get into on this podcast. And I came to Nashville in 2002. Because I knew that YWAM Nashville would be sending people to a particular Asian country that I wanted to go to. Um, 
the story of me hearing that was kind of amusing. Standing in the shower. <laughs> and I hear very clearly the name of the country. <laughs> and I'm looking around I'm looking around and I'm I'm naked in the shower. It's like <laughs> could you possibly be more vulnerable? <laughs> and I'm hearing voices. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So was it an audible voice or an internal voice? It was an internal voice, but that was still scary enough. Yeah, I understand. You know? And <laughs> nobody th- likes to think and about And it's like, okay. The Lord being with them in the bathroom. This country, I've been to this country before. <laughs> At this point, I've been to that country twice. And the first time I went, I didn't want to go. And the second time I went, it was under really horrible circumstances. Mm. But the second time I went, I did fall in love with the country. It's a uh, risk we take. It's a risk (laughs) we take. And, and, you know, I think that's possibly the best part. I know. Yeah. You know, it really is. You go go there and you meet meet the people. And all of a sudden, you have this really deep understanding that they are, in fact more like us than they are different from us Mm. um i'll get into that later but it's important um but i came here and i did a scouting trip in the country and in the city that i would eventually live in and did a school of strategic missions and moved to the country so um (coughs) i was there for about 10 months and i had some sort of a breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, this is what happens when you try to dive into a culture when you aren't settled in yourself and in your identity, mm-hmm. which I really wasn't. Um, so I came back to the States. I was treated for, and this was in two, later in 2004. I came back to the States and spent 18 months in therapy. I'm still taking psych meds, antidepressants, Mm -hmm. um, for which I am truly grateful. But in that 18 months, I did a lot of heart work, a lot of hard heart work, Mm. and banished a few demons. And then in May of 2006, I moved back to my host country and was there for another 11 years. Wow. Wow. It's great that you weren't just totally put off the first time, you know. It's a Oh no, I'm far too <laughs> stubborn for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true, actually. <laughs> Says the man who knows me. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, I couldn't not go back. The real really the only reason I'm in Tennessee right now is because God told me to be here. Mm. And if God tells me to go back to my host country or to move to a different host country, my bags will be packed, my ticket will be purchased, and I will be gone like a bullet from a gun. Come on. That sounds good. There's no better there's no better thing than to be right in the middle of what God wants you to do. Come on. Amen. Come on. You know, this is twenty twenty. This is a really kind of unpleasant year to be living in America and I know I'm in the middle of God's will for me and I'm as happy as I've ever been Hmm. I'm not wealthy I need to have dental work done I mean there's all these things that outside people will look at and say how can you be happy it's like 
dude, I'm in the middle of God's will for myself. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. And it's it's fun. You know, I mean, most people wouldn't think of this as being fun. It's like it's important and dignified and all of these great fantastic things and oh my goodness, you're a missionary. It's like <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm a person. Yeah, actually, speaking to that mindset, I was just thinking about before we started recording, um, there is kind of this idea, which I had coming, and I assume that other people probably have somewhere, but, like, that you kind of always see fruit, and if you don't see fruit as a missionary, then you're, like, failing, or, like, there's kind of this pressure that, like, there need to be certain results, you know? So, uh, I was wondering if you could just share about some challenges you had or like uh just kind of some of the harder sides of like doing missions work and also speak a little bit to that mindset and like what would be a more healthy approach to missions kind of the hardest part of of the evangelistic side of missions. Mm -hmm. um, the hardest part of missions is being away from family. Just going to say <laughs> right. that out loud. Um, I kind of missed my niece and nephew growing up, mm. and that that hurts my heart even yeah. now. Um, but from the, from the evangelistic side is knowing that you may not see fruit for years. Mm -hmm. Um... I can't honestly claim, and this is going to sound terrible, okay? This is going to sound terrible, but we'll get to that in a hot minute. <laughs> um, I can't honestly claim that I led anyone to Christ. I don't think I've said the prayer with anyone. Mm. And I can he I can hear all the people out there in podcast land saying, Oh my goodness, what kind of missionary is she? She has no salvations to her name. Oh my goodness, God's going to have something to say to her. And the truth of the matter is, if you feel that way about me, that's fine. Yeah. I know what my legacy is in Christ. Mm. And I know that, okay, maybe I didn't lead people, and maybe I didn't lead people to Christ, but I discipled people who were leading people to Christ. Come on, that's great. Um, I have got former students, former English students from my host country that are active missionaries within their country and without. She's I would call that success. <laughs> yeah. You know, I really would because I, I'm not doing this for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I'm not doing it really for any of the glory that people think is due a missionary. That's not why I do it. I do it because this is God's will for me. And all I have to do is do what he tells me to do, and he will see to the harvest. Yeah. And if that means I'm a harvester, great. I'll pick all the fruit you want me to. If that means I water what somebody else has planted, I will water all day long. But it really is about having that intimacy with God is about knowing mm. God and knowing that what I do helps make him known. 
Yeah. You know, the, the, my one of my favorite analogies is doing kitchen work. You know, when you come onto a YWAM base, there's usually somebody in the kitchen who's cooking. Mm-hmm. And the thought is, oh, I'm just cooking. Yeah, I'm doing it for Jesus, but I'm not having a big impact. It's like, um, no, you're having a huge impact. Yeah. More than you realize, you are helping young people be healthy. You are discipling them when you speak to them. You're encouraging them. You're praying for them. And these are huge weapons in God's arsenal. Come on. And so, so what? If you're sweeping the floors at your church, that doesn't make you less of a missionary than somebody in the wilds of some jungle trying to reach headhunters, you know? It just doesn't matter. Or if you're sweeping the floor at a gas station, for that matter. Yeah. Are you doing the thing that God wants you to do? Mm, Yep. And in doing that thing, are you affecting his kingdom? And that's the thing. That is like, if of all the, th- the things, of all the things, <laughs> using, a, using a Michael term, hey. of all the things, that's the thing. I don't see my, you know, a big fun thing that evangelicals throw around as being a world changer. And maybe, maybe not, but I'm really not. I've read the book. I know how this is all going to end. Yeah. And us trying to change the world is... Kind of futile. I'm going to burn for that, aren't I? (laughs) But I don't see myself as a world changer. I see myself influencing individuals. I want to bring as many individuals into the kingdom as I can. Because the kingdom's what I'm building. Yep. Right on. And that's my job. And if that means writing up staff lists or making schedules or planning retreats or resetting passwords. (laughs) So these are the things that I'm doing to affect the kingdom now. Yeah. And being able to encourage the people on this campus to continue doing what they're doing, however mundane it seems. It's like, you know, this is part of your calling, at least at this moment revel in it enjoy it see it for what it is a chance to be intimate with god a chance to stretch your abilities to build new skills i mean you guys started a podcast i sure did (laughs) and that's that's something and that's it's it's really important well thank you and these are the things that are going to affect the kingdom in ways that we cannot imagine and just yeah. because we can't imagine them doesn't mean they won't happen. Yeah. And something um, that strikes me about, like, what you're saying is, I don't know, because we were talking about it in a meeting the other day, but, um, like, the different, like, parts of the body, mm-hmm. you know? And it's interesting because because you did spend a season, a long season, you know, being, in some sense, the hands and the feet and actually going and being... Um, kind of what like the support here is for, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then now you're coming into a season where um, you are doing more of the supporting. Maybe you're a spleen or something, you know, to use the body analogy. But I, I just think it's interesting that God has like different seasons. Or like when I came on, I worked maintenance for a few years. And now we're looking at 
we're doing the podcast and, and mobile teams or leading schools or whatever, you know? And so there's just different seasons of like, you know, this or that. And then one might be 11 or 12 years of a season. One might be a few months, you know? Yeah. So. And you know, and that's really kind of the thing. They, they are seasons and it is, it's, it's about wringing the juice out or sucking the marrow out of whatever it is God's giving you to do. Come on. Um, to despise any duty that God gives you is, well, it, I, I don't know that it's sin. I can't make that call. God can. But I do know it's really not cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. seriously uncool to despise anything that God gives you to do. Um, a really great example is there was a freezer here that had been... Um, unplugged and hadn't been cleaned out properly oh man and it had the stench of death (laughs) the stench of death there had been meat in there at some point and there were at that point when we found it it full of it was full of maggots and all manner of uncleanness Uh. and this michael and the other michael cleaned it out for us because the rest of us were literally trying not to vomit (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> bravo sir uh, but bravo. they went at it with a good heart and a great attitude and while i don't think they had fun they were at least able <laughs> to see the humor in it <laughs> good times <laughs> yeah <laughs> good times. i don't know if there that's the words i would use to describe it but definitely not do. the words i would use to describe it it's but not the worst time at that <laughs> point i was coming in to take charge of the kitchen and i was so grateful to these men who would who literally did the nastiest job on campus. I'd rather clean toilets than clean out a freezer full of rot. (laughs) And they did it, and they did it joyfully. And it's like, okay, this is what the heart of God is like. And it's it's a great example. It's a great discipleship moment. It's like, hey, you want to know what your leader can do? Your leader will, has done this most disgusting of jobs and so you get servant leadership and all of this stuff ties into god's character it's all mm-hmm. about knowing god and being intimate with god so do you want to tell us about i'm curious about like the day-to-day so i feel like it's easy for people to be like oh you were there for you know however long but having gone on trips myself and and really shorter trips to where you're really like just plugging away knowing that it's it's a short time i'm curious as as far as how that span of time much longer stints of time how that kind of works on a day-to-day because you're you're in a, you're more like a marathon than like a sprint you know oh yeah um imagine on your marathon you've got about 30 meters of ankle deep water <laughs> that's a short-term outreach yeah. 12 years is like running that marathon in 12 feet of water. Yeah. Um, in angle deep water, you don't, you understand wet. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be uncomfortable, but it's temporary. Yeah. And in a way it's kind of refreshing, but when you're in it day to day, well, it's just, 
how to explain this. Every day, I got up. I had coffee. I had breakfast. I checked the news. I checked my email. I, got, I walked my dog. I fed my cats. I went to work. I came home. I walked my dog. I did the things that I needed to do every day to day to survive. Yeah. I went grocery shopping. You know, it's the same things I do here, but I did them differently because I had to adjust to that culture. You know, instead of going to Walmart and picking up groceries for the week, I'd go down to the street market three, maybe four times a week, pick up fresh vegetables, a little bit of meat, you know, whatever, go home and cook my food. Um, I was living in a, in a very large city. And so I took public transportation. Mm. Um, in the summertime, I'd ride a little motorcycle, a little 50cc scooter. Um, nearly got killed on that thing more than once. Because <laughs> let's face it, people in other parts of the world are even worse drivers than they are in Clarksville. <laughs> it's the karma mindset. <laughs> Must <laughs> Fatalistic. be. Um, and, you know, you you just you shift and adjust in little ways that you don't understand until you come back. Um, and I'm a Yankee living in the South, having been in the entertainment industry, in food service, insurance, teaching English as a second language in a foreign country. My idioculture, the, the thing that makes me me, is mm-hmm. so twisted. <laughs> um, and sometimes I offend people with it. I'm far more blunt than... I'm from the Midwest. We're blunt. That's good. Uh, <laughs> Comes in handy at times. It I'm does. telling you. Um, well, I will say that she's blunt, but with good intentions. And like, always. you know that her heart is good behind it. So it's like more just like direct and straightforward. Like, you know that she's not trying to beat you over the head just for the sake of beating you over the head. She's <laughs> like, <laughs> no, you've usually done something that deserves it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kidding i'm kidding um but you know it it has it's hard for me to adjust even now i've been back three almost three years and it's like oh yeah i forgot about that i'm really Mm -hmm. being i'm really still part of my host culture in a lot of ways um and i don't know that i'm ever going to get over that and in a way i kind of don't it's like i didn't want to get over being american while i was over there yeah it's like, okay, how much of this is going to affect my my identity hmm. and who I am? And it's kind of kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. It's awesome. It's also it it makes it makes relating to people here difficult um relating to non-missionaries extremely difficult yeah because and when i get to that point i just revert back to what i did before i was a missionary and come at it from that angle Uh you know because that's something they can relate to Hmm. um you got 12 years of life that just don't translate you know yeah 
must be they a really don't. interesting um, to navigate. And, and you know, it's it's the little things. You walk down the street and you have <coughs> everyone saying, hello, how are you? Hello, how are you? And you know, that's the only English they remember from school. Yeah. <laughs> and you walk through your life and you know that you're being watched. Mm. People... Lots of people know who you are. Great, great example. Great example. Um, so this fir- the first school I worked at, um, the PI, we'll just call it that, um, was closing. So I went looking for another job. And I got a job with another company, WSE. And I had just started. There are a lot of great stories about my starting at WSE. But this one's the, this one's the scariest. So one day the human resources girl at our at our center came to me and said the police want to talk to you. Uh-oh. Okay, when? Tomorrow, can you come at 10? Sure, do you want to meet me here? You want me to meet me there? It's like meet me here. So we went and um we sat in this dingy little office. And the officer who spoke to me spoke English. And he said, you, you, were, you used to work at PI. Is that right? Yes, it is. So you are a Christian. Yes, I am. You know you are not supposed to tell people about being Christian, about Jesus, Right? I would never tell people about Jesus in the classroom. It's inappropriate. End of the discussion. One must be very careful about the way one says things. <laughs> it may be a sin of omission. I'll have to answer that answer for that someday. But I didn't tell people about Jesus in the classroom unless it was a cultural, culturally significant event like the Easter English corner or the Christmas English corner or the Halloween English corner. Mm -hmm. These were times where Christianity had a major effect on Western culture. So I could talk about it then. Mm. If you have any other questions, please see me after class. And that's what I did. And so I was able to reach between 20 and 60 people at any given English corner about this is what we believe. Um, and there are there were monitors in my classrooms. There were people there who were reporting to the police. And some of them were just cops who were trying to learn English. <laughs> you know, we did have a few of those. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure that one of my dearest friends was a monitor. I don't know that for sure, but I'm guessing... Oh, so they're on the down low. Yes. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. In school, like in high school or college, it's a big deal. That means that they've given you responsibility and, you know, power. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But out there when you're trying to be subtle, yeah. And it was totally cool. There was nothing in my house that indicated that I was other than Christian. And it's all in the way you handle things. Hmm. 
you know, um, I would have Bible studies at my house disguised as meals. We'd all get together, we'd cook, we'd talk, we'd laugh, we'd discuss the Bible. We were never, our door was never knocked on at that point, but if somebody had, all they would see is a bunch of people eating. And like, yeah, dinner, want some? Yeah. yeah. Come on in. And, and you get used to the police knocking on your door a couple of times a year to check your registration to make sure everything's kosher. And that's just what life was like, and you get used to that. The fact that I haven't had a cop knock on my door in three years is kind of disconcerting. <laughs> I can call one for you. No, that's that's okay. That's okay. Uh, she just needs a cop to come knock on her door to make sure that her passport's okay. That's all she needs. I'll make sure she has donuts ready. <laughs> <laughs> I would appreciate a good donut. <laughs> I'm sure you would. I'm sure you would. But, yeah, and these these are the things that... And you go and you, you, you realize there are certain truths about living in, in other countries. Um, my neighborhood had a large Muslim population, and my butcher was Muslim. Like the guy I bought my beef and lamb from. And, of course, I would go to a different shop on a different block to buy pork because I didn't want to offend him. And there were different people I would buy vegetables from and fruit from. And you get to develop these relationships with your vendors. Oh, yeah. You know, in the last the last time I went to my butcher, it was like, I'm so sorry. This this is in his his language, not mine. Um, I'm so sorry. I'm leaving for America. I'm I'm moving house. And he had this look on his face. There there was sadness in his eyes. Mm. You know, um, I have a friend who's stateside again. But we were roommates for a long time, and when she moved to a different city, he would ask me about her. And, like, all of the Westerners in that neighborhood would buy meat from him because of the relationship I'd built with him. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I never got a chance to share the gospel with him. My language was never good enough. Yeah. Um, And that's one thing I really regret, you know, that I didn't have a chance to cross that cultural bridge but uh now i'm homesick (laughs) i understand it's 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 you know in three years into living in my host country i would think about america and get homesick yeah and there would be times when i'm walking even as late as my last month in my host country i'd walk down the street and i would it would suddenly strike me like I am living in this country. Yeah. This is so cool. If somebody was feeling a stir and a call to uh, greater missions and potentially to, you know, for like an extended period of time, uh, what would you say to them on this end? If there was like fresh Pat who is here in the call and is like, I'm going to go. And you'd be like, here's a piece of advice. Pray harder. (laughs) Um, And don't pray alone. Get people whose walk you trust. Mm. Um, In 06, when I went back after after having had my breakdown, I talked to seven different people. And 
I ask them particular questions. And the last one was, do you think I'm ready to go to go back? And they didn't know the deal I'd made with God. Because I was very, very scared. Hmm. Terrified. I was afraid that if I went back, I might lose my mind again. I was really genuinely terrified. And it's like, okay, unless these people all agree, I'm not going back. And I didn't tell them that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when they all agreed, I made arrangements to go back. Mm. But until they all agreed that it was safe, I wasn't going. Yeah. And that included my pastor at home. It included my parents. It included my leadership here. It included my therapist. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of people whose knowledge and understanding of who God is they needed to agree without knowing they were agreeing with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and God did that for me to put my heart at rest. And 11 years later, as I'm getting ready to come home, it's like I am, I'm exhausted, but I still feel healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And that was awesome. Mm. Wow. So good. Right on. So, yeah, make sure you've got a good, if you want to, if this sounds like something God's calling you to do, get yourself a prayer group. Get a few dedicated warriors on your side praying for you, praying for you and with you regularly. Come on. Um, good general life practice. Good general life practice. <laughs> um, but even more important mm-hmm. in this line of work, yeah. you need warriors at your back. Um, for the Gulf War, for every one person in the field, it took 100 people in support. Wow. If you look at World War II and you look at the propaganda, um, the home front, the people, who, the women who had given up housekeeping to go work in the factory so that the men could go fight. Yeah. These people were important and they were celebrated mm. because... If you don't have somebody tooling propeller shafts, you don't have people building airplanes, and you don't have the support you need for your frontline fighters. Mm -hmm. So it's really very, very important to get to build up a home front. Um, Even in the work we're doing here on campus, the people in our home churches, we need to have them praying for us. We need to have them understanding that what we're doing has eternal implications and that we want them involved in it. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. is it? Paul says we don't fight against flesh and blood, but yeah. it's principalities and powers, powers. and principalities. Yeah. yeah, and that's true. It's very true. Um so yeah, for the new kid and build those relationships. Build as many relationships as you can with good solid Christian people because they're the people that when you make the move, you're going to be tapping them for support. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to be crass about it, but there's a truth that we need, we as individuals, as a ministry, we need the financial the financial support of individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. For a time when I was overseas, I was making, I was making money, just like Paul did when he was making tents. Um, 
there are times when we need to support ourselves and there are times when we need to be supported. Mm. And knowing when those times are is important. Yeah. And having and and being being shameless about asking. Mm-hmm. Cuz that's a that's a big roadblock is the yeah. the it's shameful to ask people for stuff. <laughs> no, not really. Capitalism. Yeah, Western mindsets. <laughs> woot, woot. Raise the roof. On that note, uh, if you just throw out a little plug here, if you want to support Pat and her ministry, oh, yeah. if you want to support our ministry we're doing in general, if you want to support some long-term overseas people, then just email us at podcast at wirenashville.org and we can get you connected to who you need to be connected to to make that happen. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you this, you do not know the impact you're having. Hmm. You really don't over, I mean, think about it. Do you think Peter understood the impact he was having? Do you think Paul did? Paul spoke to thousands of people and now there are approximately 3 billion Christians in the world. Wow. That's kind of cool. Yeah. You don't know the it's impact crazy. you're having. Yeah. And I mean, I know for me, probably for you even more so, but when we've been on our like little trips or even, even being here and somebody's like, Hey, I thought of you. Here's 20 bucks or something like that can go a long way and really like provide a lot of morale boost. Yeah. You know? Even emotionally. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, somebody cares. What was that one supporter you had? who was like a college student. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one of my favorite people was a DTS student um, a couple of DTSs ago. He goes to college and stuff and uh, supports us like $14 and some change. And like knowing him and like where he's at and then, you know, he's having to pay to go to this like nice college and do a bunch of stuff, you know. Uh, and he was like, this is what I can give. And I was like, honestly, this means more. You know, it's like the widow thing that Jesus yeah. talks about. Like it means more to me. Uh, mm-hmm. And on a heart level, then people who have like full jobs and are giving some percentage out of that, you know. I had a friend who, while I was making money and I was supporting them. Mm. And now we're both stateside and they're supporting me. <laughs> so it goes around. This is relationship. <laughs> it's what it, it is. is. A relationship. It is. Um, <laughs> and it's awesome. Which is also in something I love about YWAM. If you even just going through the discipleship training school, like you have a whole network of relationships that open up. If you meet somebody in another country somewhere and you're like, or even here, and you're like, oh, I'm a YWAMer, which is what we refer to ourselves as, uh, and you're a YWAMer, like there's immediately connection. Like, yeah. It's and it's it so good. It makes a huge difference. Yeah, a huge difference. It's crazy. All right, but I think anyways, just about wraps up our main topic discussion. Yeah, we could talk forever on that stuff. As per the usual, however, I have a few fun questions selected for Pat. <laughs> uh, you're gonna get a kick out of this first one, which I didn't <laughs> even know I was gonna ask her. But what's the dumbest way you've been injured? Get ready, guys. Oh, my goodness. There are so <laughs> many. <laughs> there was the bouncing on my bed and 
hitting the windowsill and cutting my head open. Ooh. Ouch. I was four. Um, but by far the stupidest was the time I uh, ran over myself with my own car because of a grasshopper. <laughs> Why don't you uh, elaborate on that just a little bit? Not too much, but... <laughs> um, I was on my way to work, and I stopped on this incline to wipe a grasshopper that had flown in my window off of my shirt. And I got out of the car and I was standing between the car door and the body of the car. I flicked the bug off and I went to turn off the car, but the car wasn't in park and the car dragged me down the driveway. Oh man. It's terrible, but it's one of Pat's favorite stories. Bleeding. Well, when you tell it the long way, it's even funnier. Yeah. Um, Bruised, bleeding, broke four ribs, scraped Oof. up my face. Oddly enough, as scraped up as my face was, no broken bones. My sunglasses have had a little scratch on one lens. Considering I looked like somebody had rubbed my face with sandpaper, I thought I was doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I, I spent about a week in the hospital, three days, um, and then my friends here at YMM Nashville took care of me and made sure that I had everything I needed. They fed me and, you know, helped me. We had one girl who helped me get to the bathroom. She stayed, she slept on my floor for three nights until I could get in and out of my chair I was sleeping in Mm. by myself. That's so sweet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I will never forget that. Yeah. yeah. Um, It's probably only a good story for you because of like how well people (laughs) took care of you. I wasn't here at the time, but. And it turned out well. Yeah, we actually walked up ended well. on, on that, part. like, just after. Like, we got home from the store or something, and we were like, why is Pat's car in the bush over there? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and then I saw you sitting over there, and I was almost like, hey, Pat, I think you, you parked it wrong. <laughs> and then, like, you just kind of had this look on your face, like, kind of dazed, and I was like, maybe I won't. <laughs> and then somebody else was there and was like, yeah. There was kind of an accident, and I don't know. Then a few minutes later, the ambulance stuff showed up. But I was like, I was like, I'll save the joke for later. I don't know how, like, you know, seriously <laughs> that, injured we are. At that moment, I probably wouldn't have have caught it. Yeah, <laughs> I fully caught the humor of what had happened. Yeah. Um, I actually caught it while I was being run down by my car. I remember thinking very clearly an expletive as I hit the fa- <laughs> as I hit the pavement with my face. Yeah. So. There you like, go. Oh well, this is happening. <laughs> kind so, of. She's okay. I'm okay. Now I'm fine. she can tell people. I can tell people. It's she been. She ran over herself with her own car, and yeah. I, because she it, was attacked by a grasshopper. The the fires the um fire department people were there, and they were talking, and they were like in pretty good moods actually, because they were like, I guess this happens semi regularly enough, because they were like what? normally really? they were like normally we get calls like this. And it's just a cleanup job. Yeah. So they well, were like, I, mostly when that happens, I think it's people get run over by the tires. Yeah. For me, it was just the door, and mm-hmm. the door wrinkled. It wrinkled like tinfoil. Wow. Oh, boy. Um, but if it had been, but because it was the door, I wasn't getting the full weight of the car. Mm-hmm. Um, it was bad enough to break four ribs and leave some nasty bruises on my back. Yeah. Um. And it looked like a tire mark on my back, 
because of the way it happened. But yeah. if it had actually been the wheel, it would have killed me or, or paralyzed me. The first thing I did when I like realized that I had stopped moving was to check and make sure I could move. Mm. Like wiggling the toes was the first thing I did. Yeah. And when I figured that out, it was like, how deep can I breathe? Not very. And then it was like calling out for help. Yeah. It's crazy. Right on. Well, I'm glad the that Lord you're okay. Care of you <laughs> That's here. good. Yeah. In yeah. more ways than one. That's good. More ways than one. God took care of the bill. Yeah. Come on. So, closing remarks. Don't forget, there's a DTS starting September 20th here at Wyoming Nashville. We'd love to have you come be a part of that. Young, old, Jew, Greek, slave, <laughs> free, anyone. Just oh. come on. And Male, uh, female. We'll see you here. Dude, you will just. It's amazing. It is amazing. Come on. It's amazing. Oh, and that's, uh, I don't remember if we said what the DTS stands for, but that's Discipleship Training School. Yep. Which is a five-month school, three months of hanging out here, living in community, getting teachings. And two. There's an, oh, keep going. There's another one in the spring as well. Yep. I don't know when that's starting, but two to three months of outreach. That's pretty much it. All right. Thanks for coming, Pat. It's been great Happy having you. Happy to do here. it. Anytime. Yeah. All I right. would love to come sit and have some theological discussion with you boys. Hey. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. Well, tune in next week at 5.30 p.m. Yep. See you later. Peace and love. Alligators. Alligators.